Welcome to Sales Enabled, the podcast for salespeople, sales leaders, and sales enablers everywhere who are committed to making the sales profession better for everyone involved. Hey, welcome back to Sales Enabled. In this episode, I'm speaking with Kanal Pandya from Sales Velocity Labs. In this conversation, we tackle some of the big questions that the world of sales enablement is currently trying to answer. How can sales enablement get a seat at the table? How do we measure and prove the impact of sales enablement programs? How do you get programs to stick after implementation? Kanal is a global enablement leader with over 20 years of experience in this area, so has some great insights and experience that he brings to this conversation, making this podcast a must-listen for all you sales enablement professionals out there. He also gives some great tips to sales leaders for how to get the most out of your sales enablement teams, so let's hear what he has to say and jump into the show. Hey, Canal, great to see you again, my friend. It's been a couple of weeks since the Sales Enablement Pro event. Uh, how's life been treating you? Yeah, it's been good. It's been busy, uh, which is good. Uh, and, and the event was was great as well. You know, hosted a panel, uh, made some good good connections, saw some existing connections and uh, had a few drinks with a few people as well. So it's all good. It's nice, right? It's, I, I like, yeah. I've missed the event space. Like I used to, you know, enjoy oh, yeah. connecting. We had a bit of a, a hiccup yeah. with COVID, but now people seem to be getting back together. And, yeah, uh, life is practical. people. Yeah, people want to want to get out as well, right? It's uh, and uh, the more kind of social informal we make it, the better as well. So interestingly, straight after the event, um, I was actually at a wine tasting event for 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 Seismic. Um, so wow. <laughs> so um, yeah, the, the alcohol was flowing on that day. Fantastic. Well, you know, <laughs> a wine tasting event can out a man of your class. You know, that, that surprises me <laughs> not at all. And, and there's probably a reason why I didn't get invited. I'm more of a West Country cider drinker. And uh, <laughs> <so laughs> that'll be, I'll leave, I'll leave the wine tasting to you. But no, I think the event that you did, uh, the, the panel you hosted was about aligning enablement and, and business objectives. And I think this is the topic that we really want to dive into today is you know, you're you're a, a leader in the sales enablement space, but sales enablement still isn't fully represented, I don't think, at the table. And mm-hmm. one of the questions that, you know, you probably get this as well, is how do we get a space for sales enablement at the table when we're thinking about key business initiatives, key sales directives that we're trying to achieve is mm-hmm. in some cases, sales enablement is that kind of secondary thought. It's not entirely, and that is a, a bit of a, a blanket statement, but I still don't think we're quite at that level where sales enablement is seen as a driving feature or driving factor as you know sales ops are. So keen to get your take on that. Um, what if somebody said to you, you know, top level, how do we get a bit more of a seat for sales enablement at the table? What's your go-to line on that? My go-to line on that is really the ability to answer a question, um, and that question is. What is the revenue impact of your enablement function? Um, now, in my experience, asking that question to sales leaders, even ninety um, percent of sales leaders will say, "Don't know." Um, mm. And when you think about that, our answer, "Don't know." What are we saying? Well, we're investing in enablement. We're investing in people. We're investing in tech. Um, it's a multi-billion-dollar industry, right? Um, all of this money is going into it. But 90% of sales leaders are not able to answer that question. Um, now, is that because of sales leaders? Is it because of the enablement teams? You know, what, what is it? Um, there's lots of different reasons as to why perhaps we can't answer that question. Um, but 
the ability to answer that question confidently with credibility is, I think, one of the primary routes to getting a seat at the revenue top table. Um, yeah, because enablement's not a cheap function, right? And, no. you know, we, ha- we have a, a whole bunch of people, like you say, we have tech in that space. Um, and I think over over time, when I've seen this happen, you know, th- those teams bloomed. Obviously, now everybody's under revenue pressure. So I think businesses are becoming a little bit more uh, critical and, and scrutinizing details a little bit. So, yeah, those teams that are able to pinpoint revenue probably have a little bit more of a chance of, of kind of going the distance, right? I think so. Um it certainly worked for me personally, right? Um, and 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 many of the people I speak to who are of a similar mindset, it's worked for them too, right? We're talking about some some senior enablers at, at at very prominent companies, and let's face it, they're earning lots of money as well, right? Um, and and that's that's what that's the you know package that comes with the seat at the table. Um, so. Yeah, it's, 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 it's easy, I know for me, it's easy for us in a panel to talk about how do we align business objectives to enablement strategies. It's easy to say all, the, the, the real difficulty that I'm finding is how, how do you get there? How do you make it happen? Yeah, now I'm a bit of a maths nerd. People will tell you, uh, yeah. far, far too many people probably focus on the nerd bit, but whatever. Um, but this is likely going to come down to data and measurement, right? We're going to have to do some form of measurement. And, you know, back in the day, we did the trainings, we sent out the happy sheets and kind of got the thumbs up and the five stars and all those kinds of yeah. things. And we were happy with that, right? That was it. it was people mm. had a good time. You know, what they do after that, we have absolutely no idea of. But now we can track behavior. We can look into the field. We can see, you know, we've got technology that allows us to see all of the stuff that's in play. What are some of the key metrics? How, how are you measuring mm-hmm. impact? Where, you know, and if we think about, are you looking at the behavioral level? Are you looking how, how far down towards, mm-hmm. you know, the results track? Are you, are you able to, mm-hmm. to kind of aim your sights? Yeah, I mean, if we think about the question, that I asked earlier, right? What is the revenue impact of enablement function? Um, so the, the starting point is always revenue in my eyes. And when you think about um, the definition of enablement, you know, lots of people, you ask 10 people and you get, you're going to get 11 answers and none of them are wrong. Yeah. But a lot of them never contain the, the two words revenue impact right? mm. in some way along that statement. Um, so it, it starts with revenue right? and what are the key drivers of revenue? Um, well, the, the clue is in the name of my company, right? It's, uh, I, I personally talk about and use the levers of sales velocity. Um, when it comes to typically B2B businesses, uh, very typically kind of the SaaS businesses as well, not, not um, to discount you know, other kind of uh, industries as well, but, but very specifically in those, those four levers of sales velocity, so we're talking about number of opportunities entering your pipeline, we're talking about the average deal value, average win rate, average length for sales cycle, those are really the only four factors that drive how much you sell, right? At a top line, that, that's it. Yeah. Um, now, there, there will be a bunch of things that, that flow into that, right? A bunch of KPIs and metrics and measures and things, you know, conversion rates and all these other kind of things that we've been used to using. But ultimately, that's it. So... If we start with revenue and, and we sort of focus on, in on, well, what is the revenue in terms of the, the business where we're heading today? Where do we stand? Where do we want to be? And there's usually a gap somewhere in between the two, right? And those levers of sales velocity will typically drive that gap, right? If yep. we increase opportunities by a certain percentage, 
deal value, win rates by a certain percentage, if we reduce the amount of time it takes for us to close a deal, it's going to have an impact on that ultimate number, right? And that revenue gap. But here's a, here's a challenge I find with these metrics is, one, um, they're not easy to, to correlate and comprehend. A lot of it depends upon data being, you know, we know how some salespeople can be, right? It's, uh, it's a case of, Marking a deal is closed, not when it's, when it's closed, or not opening a deal when it needs to be opened, and that that skews all of the numbers, right? So it's only as good as the data we win. That's the first challenge. <clears throat> the second challenge is um, how do you prove attribution? Right. If your win rate does does go up because you did something, how how do you know that was you? And um, so the way I look at this is well, there's a next layer of metrics, right? So when you think about those four levers, um, what drives those things? It's a bunch of leading indicators. Right, um, I'm not tying any metrics here. Um, you know, to to say this is these are the metrics that are leading indicators. It can be depending on which lever you're trying to drive. Yeah. Um, so, give an example of this. Um, if we're trying to drive win rate, you know, what, one of the key things, and this is a project I did very recently actually with a customer. Um, one of the key things that drives win rate is a sales rep's ability to position value. Right. Correct. Yeah. It's one of those things. Um, and um, specifically, you know, position value through a business case. Yeah. So, so we discovered that this company actually, you know, they were very inconsistent with how they did business cases. Um, not everyone did them. Some did it their own way. There was no structure to it, you know. Um, and and that was identified as one of the key bottlenecks as to why win rate was in decline. Mm. Yeah. Um, so now we've got win rate as a, as a lever we're focusing as a metric, the core metric we're trying to drive. What's going to drive that? Well, um, we're talking about value selling. So there's going to be a bunch of competencies, right? Aligned to that. And those competencies might be around um, that, you know, focus on value sales, right? Through observation, through assessment, we can, we can ascertain that leading indicator. How well are we performing? Are we a one or are we five? You know, something like that. So we're assessing competencies based on that yep. ability to sell value. Then there's a process aspect, which is we want a business case for every deal over a certain value, right? Without fail, no debate, right? A business case has to be there. Um, and as part of that business, uh, that process, we're also defining how they go about producing that business case. So you're going to have to, you know, use an ROI calculator. You're going to need some inputs for that. Things like, you know, med picks start to come into play and metrics and challenges and all these kind of things. Um, and then there's the, 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 the last sort of category of leading indicator, which is the engagement and the adoption of it. Yeah. Right? Now, the key thing with this leading indicator, everything I've mentioned there, is all measurable. Yes. Right? So that's why I say you, you don't fix your KPIs to say these are the KPIs. It depends on what you're trying to do. Now, take this business case one. I've got three different measures. All are very different from the next project. Yeah. Right? Um, but essentially, um, what drives those leading indicators? It's the enablement strategy, right? It's that value selling enablement initiative, that program, whatever we're going to call it. But the interesting thing, what I've just described there, you know, start from revenue, the levers of revenue, leading indicators, enablement strategy. If anyone's familiar with uh, Simon Sinek's golden circle, uh, yeah. you start with a why. I've literally described that. I started with a why, which is revenue, moved on to, and which is the revenue levers, moved on to the how, which is the leading indicators, and the what, well, it just happens to be an enablement strategy. Yeah. The challenge is a lot of people start from the other way, mm. right? And then how do you know what you're impacting? How do you know what you're, what you're going to do? How are you going to measure it? Um, how do you even know if it's the right thing that you're doing for the right, the right time? That's where 
we get into the realms of those random acts of enablement, right? So, but in answer to your question, those are the KPIs, right? They're, they're flexible, they're dynamic, but there's four underlying KPIs, which is a leaves of sales philosophy. That's brilliant. And you're, you're talking about, you know, and uh, it's, it's great when two enablement people get together and we have fairly similar thoughts. So I'm just smiling all the time that I'm thinking and listening to you there. So you're right on the money. It, this is that kind of idea of leading versus lagging indicators, right? Is that yeah. revenue is a lagging indicator. Yeah. And the challenge, and this is the challenge, and I've faced this challenge too as, a, as an enablement leader, is trying to credit or give yourself credit that the yeah. effort that you did has impacted revenue. It's so far mm. away. So many times it's so far away. And I remember, you know, the previous company I worked with, we did a we did a massive push on mm -hmm. negotiation. We knew that we were we needed to drive negotiation. We were we were weak in negotiation. We were giving too many things away. We said we're mm. going to work on negotiation. We're going to do it. We did a whole quarter. We did a training. We did resources we did all, everything case studies the lot and we saw revenue go up i think it was like nine percent in that in that period and i was like can we say that yeah <laughs> and and i went to my yeah. boss at the time and it was there i said look yeah we, we did this negotiation training we increased average order value by nine percent if so facto our training is awesome and well he he said by the way, you know, great work. Thank you very much. But you can't take that because of all these other things that also mm. were happening at the same time, ops put in a new strategy, you know, there was a, a rewrite to the legal side. So all of these things. So focusing on lagging indicators is, is too far away. But those leading indicators, those behavioral shifts, what do we want people to do? Can we quality check them? Those are the things that I think if, if if we can directly show that correlation between that behavior mm -hmm. and the revenue and yeah. the leaders, the sales leaders understand that connection, that's as far as we go. Yeah, I think that's mm. so that that's where we're trying to aim our, our efforts as enablers. Yeah, absolutely. And and that correlation is hard, right? Yeah. It's not easy. And it may actually fail. But here's here's my viewpoint on that. So Everybody's looking for attribution, right? When it comes yeah. to revenue, um, you have marketing, right? You know, it was because of you know, that event <laughs> we did and that generated a lead, yeah. and it was because of the, this content was used as part of that deal. That, you know, that supported it. Pre-sales, right? It was that amazing demo that we we provided. You know, we we did the business case part, we did the the value piece. You know, all of that kind of thing. It's because of us, the salesperson, right? <laughs> um, and I, I've seen. I've seen uh, deals being closed where the salesperson has done a minimal amount. It's quite, quite literally an administrative effort. Pre-sales has done the grunt work, most of it, right? They've, they've yeah. really driven it. Um, and they've got maybe other departments involved and all these kind of things. I've seen that and the salesperson is going to get complete credit, right? They're going to get yeah. the, be the first name on that on that uh, win story. Um, and on the reverse side, I've seen um, the salesperson take command, take control, really drive it forward run through medic med pick and all these kind of things and, and just make sure that they're crossing all of those bridges influencing people finding relations real aspects of that um pre-sales didn't get much involvement from it you know all these kind of things but they've also claimed attribution and they've all been commissioned mm. right it, it works both ways the way i see it is all of these functions are, are claiming some form of attribution even product will come into the mix right and say oh we launched this new product it was you know that was the reason why should enable not be in that in that conversation? Right? That's the first thing. Why should yeah. enable not be in that, in that conversation? So the reason why we shouldn't is because that correlation is hard, right? Yeah. 
which is what we need to change. You want to get that seat at the table. Um, you want to um, be more strategic and come out of that realm of operational enablement, tactical enablement, tick, tick box exercise type enablement. Yeah. Then we've got to figure out a way to, to, to be able to attribute what we're doing to revenue, right? Um, combining uh, leading indicators and correlating to lagging indicators is one way, um, but even that is not foolproof. Yeah. Um, because, you know, like you say, um, the example I gave of the business case initiative, right? Let's say that we did that and it was amazing and it, and it, when it flew. Um, and we've seen an impact to win rate, 5%, let's just call it. How do we say that 5% was because of enablement? Mm. The, the thing is, you can't, right? There, there'll be lots of other factors in there. And, and you go to your CFO, CRO and say that, again, you, there's a chance you're going to get shot down and credibility down the drain. Yeah. Um, so how do we actually say that? Well... Uh, somebody once uh, said to me, when it comes to attribution, um, it's a case of what can't be denied, right? Mm. How can you, how can you, how can someone be, be, be shot down, right? So in this business case example, the interesting thing here was this company was doing something like 26% in terms of win rate. Um, and they needed to find 4%, right, uh, of, of that 26% to get to a number where they wanted it to be. Um, so this business case thing happened and the way I measured this and the way I kind of claimed attribution here was let's take a worst case scenario. If we, if we get all of your reps doing business cases in the way we want to, and they fully adapt to not just delivering them, but communicating them, talking about them, positioning and all of those kind of things, tying it into the, the whole roadmap of the deal. Do we think that win rate could be impacted by 1%, 1% and that's 1% of 26%, right, which is 2.0.26% yep. incremental gain, right? And the, and the answer from pretty much every state was, yeah, yeah, you can probably claim that, yeah. <laughs> so we did that. And that 1%, right, going from 26% to 26.3%, 0.3% was worth a million dollars a year. Wow. A million dollars a year. And that's not yeah. a huge business. That's like a $90 million business, right? Yeah. It's, not, it's not the biggest business in the world. Uh, it's yeah. a scale-up. Um, but a million dollars a year, and that did that justify the investment into enablement? Hundred percent. Did it justify um, inv future investment into enablement? Absolutely. Did it retain a team? Of course. Right. Did it get uh, people bought into the the idea of of the way we're running things? Yes. Did it get stakeholders aligned? Yes. It got people on board. Did it align enablement strategy with business strategy? Yeah. Yes, because that was the point. Um, it's typically coming down to revenue, right? So um, that's that's the hard part, right? It's not easy. None of it's easy, but it can be done. That's again, coming back to those four levers, right? Those four <laughs> levers of uh, sales velocity and knowing which one you're contributing to. I, th I think that's brilliant. I like the way you've done that because it is hard, right? You can't say mm. we're going to take credit for all of it, but let's take, you know, a small element of uh, the work and if everyone agrees that this is going to make a, a significant shift so it sounds so here's a question for you because it sounds like you've got to sell that idea where's your mm. stance this is a question i ask a lot mm. and i have s some opinions on it but i'm still open to, to yeah. a conversation is do sales enablement professionals need to have sales experience like <laughs> yeah, what, what, what's your thought on that one? Because that sounds like that's a that's a bit of a sell. You have to sell that idea to sales leaders. 
So what do you think? The sales enablement pros, yeah. do they need sales experience or not so much? That's a, that's a proper can of worms, isn't it, Dan? Um, <laughs> I've asked this in the past and I've seen debates around this in the past. I've, I've been shot down on this in the past um, and challenged for sure, which is great, right? But my answer is yes. This requires a little bit of sales experience for sure. Um, yeah. Not that it's impossible, right? Um, I've seen I've seen enablers who have got no sales experience, but typically those enablers have been doing some form of training enablement within sales for 15, 20 years, mm. right? They've just acquired that information, the, the, the competence and the knowledge and skills to be able to um, sell, right? Because they've been they're so familiar with it by now. So um, that, that's what I've found. But yeah, having that sales experience, not a, not a deal breaker, but it certainly helps. Um, I, I'm, I'm with answers. you. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I'm with you. I, I think... I've only ever hired one person that doesn't have sales experience. And and when I interview, the question I ask is, if you're going to stand in front of a group of sales leaders, what gives you credibility? It's that. Yeah. That's the question. So if you've been in sales and you've been in those environments, you can speak the language of sales. If you put, you know, and I'll, I'll probably, I'm going to get shot down now as well, but if you put an L&D professional in amongst a group of sales leaders, that's like putting, mm-hmm. you know, chum amongst sharks, going to get eat. <laughs> um, so you got to arm somebody, and you know the the answer was amazing. He was an MBA uh, graduate. It was a phenomenal answer. I can't remember exactly what he said, but it made me go, "Okay, I'll 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 be a bit more flexible on my my thoughts on that one." Yeah. Um, but yeah. it is right. It is selling this idea. It's selling the idea that if we do this and this happens, mm-hmm. then we've we've made an impact. Yeah. So. Yeah. What What do you think some of the challenges are? What you know, other than the ability to sell that? What are some of the challenges that you're seeing enablers face with with making that connection? Um, yeah, there's probably two or three key challenges. Um, one of them is the, the ability to do what we've just been talking about, right? Mm-hmm. Um, that that skill and and the knowledge to do it. Um, I've personally found that if you're coming from a sales background, typically you're you're a little bit more closer to numbers. Right? Mm-hmm. You understand numbers, you understand kind of what impacts numbers, all these kind of things. You're a little bit more an- analytical as well. Yeah. Right? That helps. Um, if you're coming from the L&D type background, um, you may not be there. It's what I've, what I've found. There's always exceptions to that, right? But um, that's what I've found. So the ability to do it is one thing. Um, the second thing is, even if we have the ability to do it and we're actually doing something, uh, do we want to do it? Right? There's this driver. That driver is typically um, kind of is a barrier, and that barrier is this little bit of fear that am I confident enough to talk about these numbers and this numbers game to a to a chief revenue officer, to a chief sell, to a CFO even, right? Um, because you can get shot down, right? Mm. You can get shot down if it's not watertight or <clears throat> credible in that way, and, and you know hard to deny, right? Um, so because of that that level of fear, I guess, you know, maybe fear is not the right word, but that, that reluctance, um, enablers stay away from it, right? Sometimes even uh, drive towards not doing it and telling other people that's not the way to do it because it's just not in their comfort zone. Yeah. Um, I, I think yeah. the numbers, the numbers, comfortability, if that's a word, we'll go with it, mm. but af- affinity for numbers is... It's huge. Yeah. We we did a big project. It was about a year ago, and you know my boss was taking me into the CRO. It's like, right, you're gonna present the numbers, 
and I, I, I crammed for hours just to make sure that <laughs> number one, my numbers are correct. But number two, it's like, what are the, cause you know what it's like, if you go into a pipeline review as a salesperson, sales managers, sales leaders are designed to sniff out the numbers that don't quite make sense. They might not right. know why, but you've mm. been in that pipeline review. It's like, why is that there? And, and why are you forecasting that one? And like you say, salespeople have been through the ringer. So I knew what was going to happen in that meeting and I was yeah. adequately prepared and kind of gone through numbers. Like you said, if, you, if you're not comfortable with those, it's, it's a scary place to be. And so you tend to lean away and then kind of go into the softer side, the people side, uh, the happy, clappy mm-hmm. side a little bit. So, yeah. yeah, I can see that being uh, yeah. a challenge. I am starting to see it change a little bit, right? So if I was to go back maybe even six months to, to like eight months to a year and look at, say, job descriptions of, of enablement roles out there, not many of them would be talking about the analytical side or, or looking mm. for that as a skill or, or you know level of experience data yeah. perhaps as well right those kind of keywords now we're starting to see that a little bit more um still not there i still see some pretty pretty bad job job descriptions which is like you know, what are you expecting to get out of this you know yeah. um and um but but yeah I'm, I'm there's some seeds of change definitely starting to see it. what um how how does technology play a part in this so for me um as an enabler you know there's there's key technology that i need that's going to give me that data and give me that insight how do you use tech how you know how have you seen that add to what you're able to do as an enabler yeah so when it comes to tech i mean there's a few categories of tech which all play a part in doing all of this right um the number one piece of tech is obviously going to be your crm um now that will depend again on your data quality if your data quality isn't there if people aren't doing things on time updating statuses of deals and all these kind of things uh the right amounts in there then then you're, then you're not going to be able to use sales velocity as, a, as a, an equation to to drive all of this right um so that's important um there's other aspects of tech so we think about things like sales enablement platforms like the you know the content repositories the likes of high spot seismic lego you know these kind of tools um that they're going to be able to provide some level of attribution as well right in terms of content strategy let's say yeah. um what content is attributing towards uh, deals being closed deals being accelerated perhaps is there a common factor that all ties in some way as a leading indicator into one of the lagging indicators right uh, one of the levers yeah. uh, and then there'll be the the aspect around take the business case example right um, we're trying to impact win rate. We're, we're looking at the process of how people do business cases. How are we going to observe that? How are we going to observe the competency side? Maybe call recording call, or call conversation intelligence uh, platform to play a part there, right? To help us understand what are people saying? Extracting those keywords and, and those trackers from, from these, these platforms like Course and Gong and, and various others, Jiminy. Um, and um, and, and you know, use that to assess what people are actually doing. And, and make decisions on on that basis as well. Yeah. Um, then there's other tools around the the more data and analytical side. Um, we, we, I think of tools like Clary and Cluster and Ebster um, that will help you understand what are my benchmarks for things like sales velocity. What are, how are we trending? Right. A lot, a lot of tools have the capability to do those kind of things. Um, and um, and, you know, there's the execution piece of, of all of this, right? So we find a problem, we find something that's, that needs to be changed. How are we actually going to execute upon this? And then there, then there might be learning platforms, right? Whether that's full-blown LMSs or micro-learning tools or, you know, um, 
you know the the more video based tools whatever it may be um there's a plethora of, of platforms which support this entire process from definition to execution right yeah. and, and everything in between um and then there's one other tool that um i was looking for that didn't exist um and I mentioned kind of using the levers of sales velocity and starting to benchmark all of that, starting to look at the trends and starting to simulate, you know, how do I achieve that revenue target we need to achieve by pulling mm. certain levers of sales velocity? How do I simulate that? How do I say, look, what's going to happen if I increase dual value by 2%? What's going to happen if I do that? Go up and down and all those kind of things, play around with it. Um, that didn't exist. Um, so I built one. <laughs> and <you> um, <laughs> I, I call it the... Uh, the, the sales velocity simulator. Yeah. Um, and uh, it's a tool that's available that, um, and it's free of charge, by the way, um, that allows you to kind of plug in your numbers and start to play around with those levers and say, if I move this up and down, what's going to happen? Um, and att- attributes monetary you know, revenue values to, to those movements that you make. And then ultimately, you're allowed to break those incremental gains up into sales enablement strategies yeah. and say, right, if I do this thing, I'm expecting 1% impact on win rate let's say that's worth this so now you're actually tying it together it's not complete correlation it's still a simulation but yeah. it's a starting point that's brilliant i mean we'll we'll put a link into that if you're happy to share it with with the listeners um but sure. that's that's an amazing tool right because it gives you an idea of okay well if, if i play with this lever here's my here's my biggest opportunity from a sales velocity perspective and then i can start to hypothesize what are some of those potential correlations and then i've got initiatives that i can drive right so that's yeah. that's brilliant no it's it's interesting right because there is so much tech out there everyone's trying to sell everything to everyone you know we saw the tech stack expand now we're seeing it shrink mm-hmm. and now we're trying to we're seeing all these companies do all-in-ones and so they're still yeah. specialists and it's um it's certainly a minefield of uh, opportunity um and I think that, you know you 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 use whatever data you've got to tell the story, and that that's that's the challenge, right? Is do you have enough data to be able to tell the story that you want to tell that allows you to get attribution and, and ultimately yep. tie yourself into revenue? Yeah. When you do some, so here's here's one of the challenges that I see. So, you know, and and I'd be keen to get your take on this. So, changing changing the way people do business cases seems relatively straightforward. You know. You do a mm-hmm. new template. You say, hey, everybody, you said template. Do this. Off you go. Um, mm-hmm. You and I both know it's not that easy. <laughs> um, and there's there's two aspects to it. There's the upfront thing. And then, like you said afterwards, there's the adoption. Do they use it? I think the the upfront piece seems to be relatively easy. How, do you, how have you found success or how have you made your programs and initiatives a bit more sticky? I.e., how have you managed to increase adoption mm-hmm. after the fact to ensure that you do get those yeah. kind of impacts so i think with, with any enablement initiative program or strategy i think there's four fundamental foundational building blocks let's say um that are needed to r- truly make your strategy one executable and the second adoptable and sticky um the first one is onboarding Mm-hmm. You know, it's a it's a traditional you know foundational building block, but yeah. but if you're and whilst hiring has slowed down, of course you know, um, but you're still replacing people right, at the end of the day. How do you get those new people um, delivering the right message at the right time in the right way, doing the right things from day one, yeah. right? 
um, and how do you get them to ramp to, to, to that level of capability as fast as possible? That's yeah. onboarding, right? Yeah. So th there's elements of whatever new program, let's take business case as our example again, of that within your onboarding program. Mm -hmm. so start from there. Second thing is around um, the, I would say the learning piece. So the ongoing learning. So it's not just about new hires, it's about your experienced tenure high, uh, individuals as well. How do we ensure that their knowledge is um, where it needs to be? So all different kinds of forms of learning, right? Um, uh, micro learning to just in time coaching or learning to more full blown certification type type learning, right? And everything in between. It all depends on the circumstance and the the context of what we're trying to do. Um, the, the the third piece here will be the playbook. So mm. you come out of onboarding and ramp you're going to turn to some form of process or playbook, right? Um, how do I do what I need to do? Um, so this would be a, the, the third sort of foundational building block of, of, you know, of, of how to make things stick. And again, whatever initiative we're, we're, we're trying to, to execute against would be embedded within there, within that playbook. This is how you do it. This is the play. This is uh, the tool you use. This is what you need to do how you need to do it, why you need to do it, all these kind of things, right? And and links out to, to relevant relevant areas where we need that information. Yeah. And then the last piece, and probably the most important when it comes to making things sticky, is coaching. Mm. Um, now, coaching is, is a small word for something that is a huge topic, right? We could have a, a whole podcast on that. Um, but what I'm essentially talking about is, is the ability for managers to act as coaches, right? Now, I personally believe that a sales manager's, a sales leader's role, 50% of the role at least, is to be a coach. Lots of challenges with, with that statement around bandwidth and time and everything else that's going on, yeah. um, but at least 50%. And the reason for that is because there's a few things they need to do. They need to be able to observe their teams. What are people doing or not doing, if, that, if that's the case? Um, how well are people performing on those things, right? Um, what development opportunities can we see to get people to do those things better, right? Or improve any gaps we may have found. Yeah. So, you know, a, a continual cycle of observation and coaching and follow-up, right? Continual cycle. Um, so that's one of the things that, that I always say, you know, those, those four things, those four building blocks are essential to making something sticky. Um, now, coaching is, is an important topic because, it's not just about, you know, loose coaching. You just observe, observe something and do something. How can you make that as structured as possible? Um, so one of the key ways to make coaching structured is by attaching it to a set of competencies, mm -hmm. right? You know, essentially got a competency framework. Take the business case example. You know, one of those competencies that I implemented at another company was a, this relentless focus on value-driven sales, right? That was a high-level competency. We want to see you doing that. Now, within that, there's a bunch of indicators, right? Positive indicators, negative indicators <clears throat> um, that help managers observe. Are they doing those things? And therefore assess and maybe even rate some of this performance against that competency. Yeah. But the, the, the beauty of that is, one, it's going to straight away highlight the gaps, right? Uh, even the strengths, right? And from an enablement perspective, it's going to show me the, the, the global view, right? Where are we strongest in across our sales force, our revenue team? Where are the where are the biggest gaps? How do I drive my enablement strategy to 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 to, to solve for those those challenges and those gaps? Um, if you want to take it to the next level, something I've done in the past is to attach those competencies 
to the levers of sales velocity again, right? Take the, the relentless focus on value-driven sales competency that tied yeah. to win rate yeah. as an example. So now you're in a position where if you're seeing win rate is a, is a thing, you're seeing dual values a thing, well, what are the key competencies that drive that? Yeah. Um, and if you manage the coaching against it and observing it, that's what is really going to help you to execute, deliver uh, an optimized level of performance and make things stick. That's yeah. it, right? This this is this is my challenge. This is the challenge that I know a lot of enablers are facing is yeah. data after engagement. And mm. you know, so we do the work that we do, but it's it's you know, it's not a one fix. You don't just go to gym one time and, and fix everything. It's it's an ongoing process. But you yeah. need to get that insight as to what's working. And so, you know, I, I agree coaching, manager enablement around that space is is huge. And then like you say, coaching is such a big topic. Managers go, I don't know what to coach on. I'll just, yeah. just have a quick chat, five minutes, are you okay? Okay, carry on. Whereas mm. you're saying is if we know the the metrics that we're trying to focus on, if we know the competencies that that act on those ones and we've got an initiative that we're trying to focus on is, hey, managers, I know you're busy. Like, narrow it down. Just Just do me a favor. Work on this one topic for a month and we're going to see right. the impact it has on here make it so small that they can't fail and they're not going to see them overwhelmed mm-hmm. um but again tying everything back to sales velocity yeah how, how, how do you what you know managers are asked to do more with less have mm-hmm. you got any other advice how can we how can we make it easier for managers to win in this space because for enablers it's it seems like such a key part of the puzzle yeah um I think the first thing is is and I'll be blunt about this, uh don't fire your enablement team. Right? <laughs> of all of all the people to let go in a, in an organization, yeah. At a time when you need to do more with less, at a time when buyer behaviors are shifting, right? Um the the top of funnel is very different from what it used to be. The they their buyers want value creation at every single stage in the cycle. The, the end of the, the cycle is as, is more complex than it's ever been with legal involvement, with financial involvement, with scrutiny and budgets, all these kind of things. Yeah. Um, so you, you, your enablers or your, your your sales teams need to facilitate all of that. They need to be coherent with that, essentially. Um, how are they going to do that <laughs> if you don't have an enablement team or um, some form of enablement function driving all of these things? Um, secondly to that, actually, I would say um the the knowledge and the competency levels of of your sales teams at a time when people are not hiring as much as they maybe maybe they thought they would be right this time maybe a year ago two years ago um we need to make sure that the, the productivity levels and the performance levels of the existing team are optimized yeah right i still see a lot of people focusing on onboarding and which is fine, you know, that might be the thing for that company, right? They might still be hiring at crazy levels. Some are. Um, many are not. Um, how do you repurpose those individuals to focus on what really matters to that to that, to that that company at the time, right? It's, yeah. It is around performance optimization of the existing team. Yeah. So what I would advise sales, sales leaders is retain that, that your enablement team, invest in them, um, elevate them, yeah. uh, drive them in the right way, compensate them against the right things mm. right as well um and and get them to a position where they are delivering revenue impact 
ask those hard questions of your enablement team as well. Yeah. Right. Because this is not this is not just an enablement challenge; it's also a sales challenge, sales leadership challenge as well. Um, one of the things that I found from from sales leaders as I speak to them is that the problem I'm, I'm talking about here, which is you know correlation data alignment of strategy, all these kind of things, it's a problem they don't always know exists until you ask them that yeah. question around what is the revenue impact of your enablement function, right? Yeah, they don't realize that it's a problem. They don't realize that it's a uh, are we leaving money on the table here, right? Millions of dollars potentially. Um, so I would say, ask that question of your of your enablement team. Get an answer to it. Um, find ways to focus on the right things. I think so. There's two yeah. questions in that question. This is or there's mm. two answers to that question. I love the question. And actually, if you're in enablement, we should be asking that question. We should be asking that question to our leaders. And yeah. getting like putting the pressure on ourselves to be able to come up with an answer. I know it sounds crazy. I was listening to the Netflix um, No Rules Rules that talks about Netflix culture and there being a "Hey, w- would you fight to keep me?" kind of conversation mm. every year. In the, mm. you, so you understand from your boss, like, am I indispensable member of your team? It's almost like that. So enablement asking that question. What I find when when I ask that question to sales leaders, like, what's the difference we're making or what's the impact? They're, they're not able to quantify the impact positively, i.e., you know, you've made a direct ref, you know, impact on sales velocity or any of those factors. They tend to just say something like, well, we know we need to have you. <laughs> it's like, if right. we didn't do this, how bad would things be? So that's mm. the onboarding piece, right? Is we know that we can ramp people up. And if we don't ramp them up, then somebody else is going to do it and everything's going to fall apart. So there is an inbuilt value to enablement. But what you're talking about here is is not just filling that onboarding gap you're t- again we come back to the start which is how do we get a seat at the table it's how do we how do we position enablement as a driving function within the business and i think the question you're asking sales leaders is is going to allow people to do that yes yeah it's a it's going to be a joint joint effort at the end of the day right um enablers on their own aren't, aren't going to be able to do this because the other the other challenge i've seen is um an enablement team might be delivering strategic value, right? They might be actually be doing it, doing the right yeah. things and coordinating yeah. all these kind of things. But the perception of what they do and how they do it and who they actually are yeah. isn't aligned to that. So the key question, I always say this is, the key question is ask your CFO or this and your sales leader. Yeah. Um, um, actually, let me rephrase that. If your, C- your sales leader was sitting in front of the CFO and the CFO said, what does that enablement team do? If the answer is well, they do training, they do onboarding, they do, they produce content, you know, then you know that perception isn't aligned to whatever yeah. you're doing, right? Mm. Um, and so many times that's the answer to that mm. question, right? Um, when that CR was under the spotlight and they're trying to see if I was looking for a few million dollars here and there, um, and they're looking at the CR, what does that enablement team do? There's like four of them, yeah. there's five of them. We spend this much in tech and, you know, we're investing, what, billion, two million into that team every year. What do they do? Yeah. Training, onboarding, content, it's not going to go that far, right? Um, it's a key question to ask. Yeah. And like you say, is especially now as we're not onboarding as much, or many companies not onboarding, is people, yeah. people shouldn't be sitting around going waiting for the next onboarding round. We should be challenging ourselves to do that. And I've seen, that's, that's what I've seen successful enablers do is, is make that pivot. You know, it's okay, mm-hmm. we're going to go here. Yes, it's outside of our comfort zone, potentially, like we haven't had that exp- exposure, but, you know, okay, well, we need to drive 
sales efficiency? How can we bring in like a medic or a med pick or something like that? How do we become mm. the in-house experts and go and implement that? You know, you only have yeah. to be one or two steps further down the line, right? To be able to, to share something. But like you say, it's a fear aspect. It's, oh, I've never done it before. It's uh, outside of comfort zone. But if we want to grow enablement, if we want to, you know, if you want to sit in the background and just sit on the bus and be part of it, then it's fine. But if you want to drive, and this is the, you know, the arrogance in me, I guess, as a former salesperson, mm. is like, I believe that we can drive and make impacts from an enablement seat. You know, this is this is the direction we need to be pushing in. So, Canal, there's been some, some amazing insights. What would be your final thoughts? Okay, two final thoughts. One for sales leaders as they think about their enablement teams, what do you want them to think about? And one to enablers as they think about the future of this industry. Uh, yeah, for the sales leaders perspective, again, it's that, I'll go back to the question we started with. Ask yourselves, ask your teams, what is the revenue impact of enablement function? And from an enablement perspective is to answer that question. <laughs> <laughs> it's quite simple. If you can do that and do it confidently and do it with credibility, um, you are in the heading in the right direction. You are heading yeah. in the right direction, right? You're pointing in the right way. You're de-risking your function as well from future headwinds, right? And yeah, there's, I think there's a few more rounds to come um, looking at the economy and looking at what was happening in certain quarters for businesses. Yeah. Um, and if you're not able to answer that question, if you don't know how, if you then find people who can, mm. right? Um, there's people out there um yeah. uh network with the right people join the right groups ask the right questions um and and obtain the answer right yeah. the, the knowledge and the, the capability to do it but certainly don't shy away from it anymore yeah i think i think uh all of us want to elevate the, the role of enablement right it, we all win when that when that role is getting a seat at the table in all aspects by not doing this i believe is holding it back yeah. right so let's not hold it back anymore. Let's let's go forward. Brilliant. And if people are struggling, even just to get the first thoughts on how to tie data, then I mm -hmm. guess that we get them to go to your simulator. So we'll put the the link to the sales velocity simulator in the show notes. So uh, yeah, go and check that out. Find out if you make an initiative over here, like what's the capacity you can have on uh, business impact and, and revenue, uh, and then like say, answer that question. Uh, Canal, this has been an absolute pleasure. Um, I think you said connect with you on the website and and on LinkedIn. So I'll put those links into the show notes as well. But great to see you. Keep doing the good work. Keep educating. Keep pushing uh, for enablement to have a seat at the table. And appreciate all you do, my friend. Thanks, Dan. I appreciate it. Likewise, uh, it's been great talking, and uh, hope to speak to you soon. You know what I think, Ron? I think that was a sales call. Good job, buddy. So you're going to buy a subscription? No, I already get the times. Bye-bye.